last week I said I'd be in Philippians tonight, but man, the Lord just hit me with something this week. I had to go to, I had to stay in, and ultimately had to preach tonight to you guys. Um, this is a one-off. This is, as I like to call them, sermons that are not connected in a series, nor are they part of an overarching thought, only in the sense that they are scripture out of the Word of God, and, and so overarching in His plan. But Matthew 15 contains one of my favorite texts of scripture, favorite because of its context, favorite because of its beauty, and most important of all, favorite because of the message that it represents. Matthew chapter Chapter 15, we're going to be in verse 21. Matthew 21, your, your Bible might have a heading that says the Canaanite woman or the Syrophoenician woman. That, do you guys see that? Matthew 15, are we still getting there? Page 716. All right. Matthew 15. I titled this sermon, Faith Like This. And it's my hope that you will, after hearing this, aspire to or maybe already possess a faith like we're going to see in this passage. Um, I don't think this is going to be particularly long, uh, but we'll see. As always, once we get going, there's no telling uh, how far we get. Matthew 15, verse 21. Everybody there? Amen. Let's start reading together. It says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying and said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, Is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's pray tonight. Dear Lord Jesus, as we approach you the same way that this woman did, with hurts and struggles and pain, Lord, we must know in our hearts and believe that you can take those things away. But only you, Lord. Lord, too often and too long and too much, we put on our salvation, worldly things that we think or have been told are going to help us. But they do not help us. Rather, they hinder us from having true peace in you. They stop us from having joy of the Lord, of our salvation. They, 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 they stop us, Lord, from spreading this joy to others. Lord, we come tonight asking you to give us a faith like this. Even when rejection seems to come before us, even when it feels like God himself has turned his back and is not even answering us, we will still have faith to move forward. We will still have faith to beseech Him. We will still have faith to trust Him. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Your Son. Amen. So I want you to imagine this for just a second. Jesus, by Matthew chapter 15, Jesus has turned water into wine. He has turned five loaves and two fish into a multitude, a, a feast for over 5,000 people. He has performed miracles. He has cast out demons. He has healed. He's brought dead people back to life. And so the news of his miracles and his works are, is spreading. And this woman hears about this. She has a problem. What is the problem? Her daughter is oppressed by a demon. 
her daughter has been possessed and taken over. I I images of horror movies might be filling your mind right now. Is her daughter doing the spider walk up the side of the house, you know? Is it like the conjuring? Is, the, is, is creaky attic doors just very slowly opening and then jump scare? <laughs> right? We don't get any of that. We just know her daughter is oppressed by a demon and we know that's not good, but it's her daughter. She's watching her daughter be scared and, be, and, and, and be go through this horrible thing and she hears about a man who can heal her daughter. So what does she do? She gets excited. Excited enough to get dressed and leave the house. Excited enough to go find this guy. And remember, she couldn't pull out the iPhone and be like, where's Jesus? Search, you know. Does he have an Instagram? At Jesus Miracles, you know, search. Maybe I can find him on Snapchat. He's got 12 followers, you know, click, <laughs> you know. She wasn't able to do that. She just had to, she had to go around and ask people, hey, where's this Jesus of Nazareth? Where's this man who can heal people? And they show her and they point her the way and she eventually finds him. She's crying out after him. Have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her a word. He ignores her. He turns his back on her. Now that doesn't sound like our Jesus, does it? You guys are probably like, you're reading the wrong verse, Mr. Josh. That's not Jesus. That can't be him. Even the lights don't agree. <laughs> That can't be him. There's no way. That's that demon. <laughs> but he does. Jesus turns his back on this woman. Guys, if I did that as the youth pastor and as a pastor here at this church, I'd be fired, okay? Especially by certain people, right? But let's just say you were like, Mr. Josh, I really need to talk to you. And I was like, and just ignored you, right? You would be like, how dare he? I see you guys do it at school. I stand out in front of the classroom, right? And in the hallway, and you're like, hey, hey, so-and-so. And they don't turn around, and I can see just like the anger. I mean, the, like the pure rage in some of your eyes. It's scary. <laughs> I don't even say hi. I'm just like, he ignores her. Now, that doesn't sound like something Jesus should do, but look look what he does next. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Lord, send her away. She's following us and crying. Is it fun to be around somebody who's crying? Have you ever awkwardly been with somebody who's like crying and you're like... <laughs> Feel better, right? So the disciples are like, Jesus, just get rid of this woman. And what does he do? He, an he answered them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now you might not catch that, but that's a loaded statement. Jesus just said, I was only sent to help the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Jews. God's chosen people from the Old Testament. That's who I was sent to help. And that's it. He just said, I'm not going to help this woman. Again, that doesn't sound like our Jesus, does it? That doesn't sound like the nice little storybook Jesus who loves everybody, just wants to help everybody, right? This guy sounds like a jerk. It's like, really? You won't even talk to her? You won't even, you won't even turn and face her? And then when you finally say something, you say, ah, I'm not coming. I wasn't here, sent here to help her. Now, if it, that had been you and you experienced that, what would you have done? You would have been like, forget this guy, right? He won't even acknowledge me. And as soon as he does say something, he says, I'm not worthy to get his help. We 
might have some fleshly choice words for a person that acted like that toward us, wouldn't we? But she doesn't. Look what she does. She comes and kneels before him. So he just treated her kind of like street garbage, right? And what does she do? Instead of getting mad, instead of cursing, instead of running away, she comes and kneels before him. She treats him like royalty. Better yet, she treats him like her, her Lord. And she says, Lord, help me. Help me. So not only does this woman have the belief that Jesus can heal her daughter so much that it doesn't matter what obstacles get in her way, she doesn't let that stop her from getting help. And when she gets to Jesus, she does the appropriate thing. She kneels before God and says, Lord, have mercy on me. Help me. Okay? She repents before the Lord. She acknowledges that she needs help and only Jesus can help her. But look what happens next. Jesus still does something that doesn't all sound kind of Christian-like. He answered and said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I mean, jeez. She's kneeling before him, and he just said another loaded statement, the children's bread, that is the salvation for the Jews, of which he is the bread. What does he say at the Last Supper? I am the bread of life. We have communion. We take that little cracker. Why do we eat that little cracker? Is it because the little cracker tastes good? No, it's chalk. And that's not enough grape juice to wash anything down, much less a little piece of chalk that's got lodged right here in your Adam's apple. (laughs) No, we do it to remember that God is our help and Jesus is our bread. He said, I'm not going to give you salvation because you're not of the house of Israel. And even worse, I'm not going to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, the bread he's talking about in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament temple, there would have been what was called the showbread, unleavened bread for the Passover. And he's saying that bread, which signifies the forgiveness of sin, he's not going to take it and give it to a dog, her Because she wasn't a Jew. She was a Gentile. And she couldn't get salvation. Because she wasn't one of God's special people. And if this is all starting to sound unfair, or even a little scary, because if you're not of the Jewish persuasion, then you're also not receiving the bread of life. And look what she says. After every obstacle, after every time, even Jesus made it seem like she wasn't going to get help. What does she do? He says, I'm not taking the children's bread and I'm not giving it to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, yet even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I am a dog. I am worthless before you, Lord. I deserve the scraps that you would feed to the animals after dinner's over. But those scraps are still worth it to me. Those crumbs are still worth it to me. Even dogs eat the crumbs and I need some crumbs from you, O Lord. And then what does Jesus say? Look at what he says. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. I love this text because even after Jesus testing her, and that's what he was doing was testing her faith. See, that seems kind of like he acted like a jerk and maybe he wasn't fair, but Jesus will do the same thing to you. He will put obstacles in your life to test your faith. 
And he's going to know whether you just give up and throw up your hands and complain and cry and moan, or he's going to know if you said, I know what's right following God, and I'm not going to let any obstacle stop me. But he also does some things here that we see throughout the rest of Scripture. In Matthew 15, 8, it says this, Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And that's the issue that Jesus is explaining here. Too often the doctrines of men are being taught as though they're from God. As though that's going to be what truly saves you, is you listen to man's rules. And it's not. That's not what truly saves you. But they do it. In Isaiah 56.5, and I want you to listen closely to this now. Isaiah 56.5, this is what the Lord said. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. God told us all the way back in the book of Isaiah that you don't have to be a blood descendant of Abraham to get the covenant salvation blessings that God made with Abraham. He said, in fact, all people, foreigners, as long as they join themselves to the Lord, believe in God, minister to Him, service, uh, love the name of the Lord, that's repent of sin, and submit to God, and be His servants. You don't have to be a Jew to be saved. And God told us that way back in Isaiah. And the Jews didn't even realize that in the book of Matthew. They didn't even know that. They probably had Isaiah memorized, but their eyes were blinded to the truth that you are seeing right now, that God has brought you from a foreign country. And I don't want to get political, but we talk a lot about foreign invaders. Guys, you need to know something. You are a refugee and immigrant to the Lord. You need to get into the promised land. But you can't go about it the wrong way. you got to come in through one gate. And His name is Jesus. And He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Isaiah goes on, I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord promised so long ago that even you and even I, no matter our race, no matter our, our gender, no matter our creed, that we, as long as we believe in God and repent of our sins, we can be saved. See, this woman in Matthew, she believed that. And that's why she never gave up. And I want to challenge you tonight, students, okay? Don't give up. Because I know it's hard right now, and it's, there's no telling how much harder it's going to get. I know because I talk to you, and, I, and I, I try to get involved in your lives, and I try to see your struggles and your hurts and your pain and to know how best to help you. But sometimes my help is not good enough. And sometimes all I can do is stand there with you and say, I will not abandon you. But I must point you to the one who will not only not abandon you, but he will take away 
this hurt. He will take away these struggles. He will make relationships better. He will forge back families that have been split apart. And even if he doesn't do that in your life, your service to him, your worship of him, will create in your heart a holy temple where God will dwell. And on that last day, on that final day, with a faith like this, you will be brought to the place where God dwells. I want you to have that, students, but you have to, you've got to not give up. You've got to keep going no matter how hard the obstacle, and I know it's hard. I know. It's been hard on this youth group. We've lost people, young people. And I don't mean people just got mad and left or left for some other reason. I mean people who we don't have on this planet anymore. And I can't promise you it's going to get easier. The Bible tells me it's going to get harder to be a Christian. It's going to get harder when persecution comes, when suddenly it's not just lame to be a Christian, but it's illegal. When you'll be fined for having a Bible, for praying openly in public, for coming to church, when suddenly there's a government official with a clipboard and he wants your information to come into this building. Right now, I read an article today about the pastor in China just got sentenced over 10 years in prison for doing what I'm doing right now. Not starting insurrection, not stirring up unrest in, among the population, not trying to do a coup d'etat over the government, simply telling people how they can be saved in their eternal life. And he was beaten and put in prison. That stuff might come, and it's going to get hard. But Jesus, he didn't promise an easy life. In fact, this is what he said to us in Matthew 16, 24. He said, then Jesus told his disciples, and he's talking to you if you follow him, by the way. If anyone would come after me, that is to say, I am a Christian. Because a lot of people say that, right? Did you know right now, I think we have over 16 million Southern Baptist Christians in the Southern Baptist Convention. According to the numbers, on any given Sunday, there's about 5 million in church on Sunday morning. These numbers are a little skewed because Sunday nights and Wednesdays are different, different parts of the world, different parts of the country, but they say about 500,000 on a Sunday night and less than 100,000 on a Wednesday night. You guys are actually bumping those numbers up here with your continued attendance. So we went from 16 million who said, I am a Christian, and not only am I a Christian, but I'm a Southern Baptist. Only 5 million in church. Quick, somebody, what's that ratio? How many are out of church? 11 million every Sunday who claim to be Christian but do not attend church service. Do you have to attend church to be a Christian? No. If you stay continuously out of church and make up excuses your entire Christian life, will you actually end up being a Christian? Probably not. If anyone would come after me, that is to say, I am a Christian, let him not simply declare himself one in public or post scriptures on Facebook. Sorry, it doesn't really say that. I added that part. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. What is a cross used for? It's just for crucifixion. We've turned it into such a nice little accessory of our Christian life. We wear it around our necks and put it on our cars. We make fancy logos with it. But to truly carry the cross is to follow Christ no matter how hard the life gets. No matter how hard that road gets. No matter how difficult. 
Because Jesus said it's a narrow way. And there are few who find it. There is a wide way that leads to destruction and many who go down that path, but a few, a narrow few. I like to imagine it's like climbing a mountain. It's difficult. It's hard. You slide backwards. Your arms get tired. Your legs give out. You fall down. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going because if you stop, if you drop that cross and if you turn around and say, this isn't for me, then we will know what First John tells us is that you were left us because you were not one of us. Those who endure to the end will be saved. So take up your cross and follow me. Verse 26, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, will find it. Guys, here's the important, valuable lesson that you've got to learn to be a good servant of Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about all them screaming kids out there. We do all of this for one reason and one reason only is to glorify our God. Everything we do, this church's ministries, its attendance, its, its works, the summer camps we're going to go on, the speakers we're going to have, the, the 29th uh, Live the Faith Youth Rally, all of it, all of it is done to the glory of God. And if it does not glorify God, we should get rid of it. And so I want to ask you, I want to challenge you with this. What is your life and your heart? Are you desiring to glorify God? Now, I'm perfectly fine, and so is the Lord with this. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this thing out. That is the best place to be. One, because it's honest, and it's real. Okay? You can lie to me, <clears throat> but you can't lie to the Lord. So don't do it. You might go, I don't know where I'm at. I just know I'm on this journey. That's all right. Keep asking good questions. Keep seeking. Keep coming, and keep reading that Bible. Okay? I love when somebody says, I'm going to read that Bible. I'm going to figure out what's all what's wrong with it. And I just go, amen. You go right ahead. Because trust me, I already know more about what's wrong with it than you do. Oh, snap. <laughs> but seriously, read it. Read it and, and mark it all up with a marking, uh, Sharpie and then come back and talk to me and say, hey, man, I found this. And I'd love to sit and talk with you. Students, it's going to be hard. And you may even feel like God himself, like Jesus said to this woman in Matthew 15, is going to say, nah, it's not for you. You're too weak. You're too messed up. You're too much of a sinner. You've done too much bad stuff in your life. And nope, you can't ever be one of the good church people. Guys, that's a lie. And the world will tell you that to keep you with them. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. What he said to this woman, O oh, woman, great is your faith. It is done as you desire. Students, is your faith great tonight? Jesus told the disciples, if your faith was the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, jump, and it would jump. So I'm asking you tonight, how great is your faith? Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to close your eyes. I think the band's going to come up with one more song. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to my words for a second and then I want you to pray. And as the band starts singing, I want you to stand up. I want you to worship the Lord. But listen to me just for a second. Now close your eyes and bow your heads. Dear Lord.
this group of students I dearly love, and I have learned too often and with too much heartache that I don't have next week promised with them. I have a first-hand experience with saying to a student, are you doing all right in the Lord, buddy? And not even seven days later, that student was dead. And so, Lord, I'm compelled to say this tonight, that there might be somebody here, Lord, who has not started that faith journey yet, who has not even reached out their hands, Lord, their, their filthy sinner's hands, Lord, to you, and said, God, forgive me. Heal these hands. Heal my heart and mind. Heal this wicked soul. And bring me to you. Lord, you know that I don't do the sinner's prayer. Lord, most, most importantly, because I cannot find it in your Bible. But what I can find is this, Matthew 16, which we just read. If you desire Jesus to follow him, take up your cross and go. And so I want to encourage students tonight. If they think this Christian life is something they want, if they think this Lord is somebody they want to serve, if they want the peace and love and joy of Christ, then I'm, I'm challenging them tonight. Pick up your cross and follow Him. And you will find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They will find God. And he will wrap them up in love. And he will never let them go. I thank you, Lord. And as they sing now, I ask you just to open hearts and minds to your son. We ask all this in your name. Amen.